central to our faith, central to our life, central to all existence, is the death of Jesus Christ. He will be magnified for all eternity for what he endured and overcame for us. We will bow our knees for all eternity because he's the only one who can do it. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And when you look at that cross, you see the Savior of all things. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is something the Lord wants us to meditate on. This is something, this is something that's alive every day. This is something that is close. It's not far away because we realize that our sin brought Jesus to the cross. That makes it close. Every sin that was wiped away, every sin that was forgotten, every sin that was paid for, our sin put Jesus to the cross. That's why we cry out. That's why he's our savior. That's why there's no one like him in our eyes. Because he's the only one who can save us, redeem us, rescue us, and make us pure so we don't have to live in guilt and shame or fear. But we can live in relationship with, with God because of the work of the God-man Jesus. This is an amazing thing. This is a wonderful thing. This is something I want us to have a somber mood over tonight. You know, in our culture sometimes, it's like, let me go to church to be happy. Yes, we should do that. Let me go to church to cheer. Yes, we should do that. But there's a time to be sober. There's a time to grieve. There's a time to meditate. There's a time to ponder the work of Jesus where it's not always I'm going to shout for joy, but I might feel the weight of it and get a contract spirit from it. Do you guys hear that? Too many times, we only want that one emotion now in Western civilization. Teach me how to be joyful and jump and, and think positive all the time. I'm all smiles, but there's a time to go to our knees. There's a time to feel the suffering that Jesus went through for us, and it cleanses the soul. It cleanses the soul that I can bow my head and face the reality that my sins were paid for and a high price was paid. We need the full spectrum of the soul. See, Western civilization is in one spectrum. Joy, happy, up, oh, No. There's a time to weep. There's a time to weep with gratitude. I'm sure many of you have experienced that. When you just think of the wonder of work of Jesus, you might cry in your car or in your house and say, he's forgiven me of much, and that brings my heart to tears. There's a time to remember our sin, not for the sake of condemnation, but for the sake to realize it's been wiped away by Jesus. Amen? Amen. And that's what I pray we feel tonight. Because the enemy's done something very sad in our churches. He's taken away from us meditating on the horrific nature of the cross. We don't want to say it's that bloody. We don't want to say it was that horrendous or that heinous or that ghastly. We don't want to go there. Keep it light for me so I can feel up here. But Jesus said, remember my blood that was shed in my body that was broken. Because that says something powerful to you. That shows you how much I love you. 
I think it was John Piper said, you can't take the gasoline out of the gospel because that horrific nature takes you to what Jesus endured for you and me. I remember when the passion came out, what was everyone's big beef? It's too bloody, it's too gory. It wasn't gory enough if you were really trying to show what was going on. I tried to watch that with my daughters and wife, and we watched half of it. And I saw my children, it was like they were watching a horror movie. Because it was horrific. There was a horror that happened at the cross for our sins. You both say, it shows you the severity of sin that my sin is that deep that Jesus had to go through that? Because what, what does culture tell you now? No big deal. That's light. That's not a big deal. Just a slight transgression. Just a white lie. You're not one of those murderers, so it's not a big deal. If no one murdered anyone and people just stole, Jesus would have still had to go to the cross. If we just gossiped about our neighbor, Jesus would have still had to go to the cross. If we just didn't love like the way we should love, Jesus would still have to go to the cross. If we were angry at our brother, Jesus would still have to go to the cross. It shows us the severity of sin, but also the wonderful love of God, that he, being equal with God, chose to come down and condescend and be broken, be a carpenter, to be whipped and broken, flogged, beaten and bruised for our sins. That shows you the love of God, the very heart of God. When you saw Jesus, you saw the nature of God, the heart of God. When you saw Jesus cry out, Father God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you know what God the Father is like? He's just like that. Mercy and grace and compassion for me and you. Jesus displayed that. He showed that. And I pray we as a church family feel that today. Feel loved by God because of the work of Jesus Christ. You know, love heals a lot of things. There's certain things that can only be healed by being loved. I remember I had all these insecurities and these kinds of things, but when I met Natalie and we got married, it wasn't like I read a book and said, okay, I need to stop being insecure about this, that. Her love for me, in fact, she loved me. It healed all those things that love towards me. So before you know it, all those insecurities went away because I was loved. How much more should we be healed by the love of God by sending His Son, Jesus? And I pray that you feel the love of God tonight by the work of the cross. Through the work of the cross. Will you turn with me to Isaiah 53 45? It says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Is the commandment to remember the suffering that Jesus endured for us 
central to your gratitude towards God. For you is the cross of your sin, it's an emblem of your sin paid for. Like when you look at that cross, this big cross up there, it's covered right now. <laughs> when you look at any cross, you say, that's an emblem that my sin was paid for. Can you label this Friday good? Because you realize what was accomplished through the crucifixion of Jesus. Because that's an odd thing, isn't it? What happened today? Jesus got murdered. Great day. It's so good because of what has been accomplished for you and me. What has been paid for. See, sometimes people end at the forgiveness of sins. They don't realize that forgiveness of sins, we just had to get that out of the way to get to God. That's why it's so wonderful. He had to make a way through Jesus Christ. And what amazes me about this text is that Jesus, did you see the label and the title for Jesus the Savior in the world? Man of sorrows. How many people want that label for your life's legacy? What was he? He was a man of sorrows. That should hit our souls deeply that the Son of God took on flesh to become a man of sorrows. You imagine when our hearts break to see the brokenness in this world, to see the devastation. Imagine the pure and holy, loving Son of God having to look out and see the hate of man, see the broken, murderous generation, to see the religious leaders who are called to lead people to God, lead people to greener pastures, where they're leading them to themselves for their own praise and they're devouring widows' houses and they're taking advantage of them. Imagine a God that had to look out at all the devastation, all the brokenness, and that's why he's a man of sorrow. He had a grieving heart. It said he was acquainted with grief. That grief was his companion. This is so important for the spectrum of our souls. Because if you want to follow Jesus, you have to commit to seasons of your life being a person of sorrow. How many of you have looked at your lost loved ones and looked at family members and looked at friends and wept over them and grieved because you see their lostness? You know what? That's a loving heart that does that. I have friends that every time they feel grief or they feel sorrow, they feel any amount of their soul feeling down, they run away from it and they try to numb it instead of embracing it. Because you know a wonderful thing that can happen when you feel grief for a broken world and a broken, broken people? You can begin to identify with Jesus. You can begin to partake in his sufferings. Do you know how much he wept? It says when he looked at Jerusalem, he wept over that city. And he said, I sent the prophets and you killed and stole them all and you won't listen to me. And he wept in front of the city that he chose to be his people who would choose to murder him. Can you imagine that? Imagine rejection. Rejection is, I'd rather get hit with a bat than be rejected by someone I love. And you all feel that, don't you? There's an internal pain of rejection that far exceeds any physical pain. Some of you might experience with 
Maybe your father abandoned you or your mother abandoned you or uh, a spouse abandoned you or your children have rejected you. Some of you might experience that rejection. To understand Jesus, would you think of him who all things were created through? Preaching only love, he is the God-man who came to die and redeem his people and those people look at him and say, crucify him. Do you feel the rejection there? Do you feel the pain? To be pinned up, most likely naked, in front of your people, rejected and mocked, bleeding out, and you still love. He was called a man of sorrows. And the big question people sometimes fail to ask, but when you go in the scriptures, you see who punished Jesus on the cross? Have you ever asked yourself that question? So he took my punishment, but who was punishing him? God the Father punished God the Son for our sin. You guys feel that? Let me unpack that a little bit for you. In the same mindset that we take sin too lightly, I have people ask me this question all the time. So you're telling me if someone is a good person, but they believe in another God or many gods or some sort of philosophical system or no God at all, you're telling me that they're gonna pay for their sin? What people feel to realize when they ask questions like that is that what's the first and greatest commandment that we see coming through in the scriptures? Just think of the Ten Commandments. What's the first one? So first one revealed has great importance, doesn't it? What does he say to his people? You shall have no other God before me, for I am a jealous God. Therefore, to label anyone good that doesn't worship the one true God is not to truly understand what the definition of good is. How can you be good and not give your honor and worship to the one who created and made you and sustained you? There's something so deeply evil about that that we can't even comprehend it in our finite minds. That the one who created us, that we would go above our business, we would thank ourselves, we would live for other treasures, and not even recognize the sovereignty and providential hand in creating us, and sustaining us, and his common grace. How evil is that? What kind of God would we serve if he doesn't punish evil? How about your police department? You call them and say something broke into your house, they say, no big deal, move on. Yeah. <laughs> that happens every week. No, you expect people who practice just, justice to execute justice. Imagine if God is perfectly holy if he stood bad and let people commit evil, whether it was idolatry, sexual immorality, murder, anger, hate. Imagine God is not good, God is not perfect unless he executes justice on evil. Therefore, God has to, looking down at the earth, looking at our sinfulness, he has to punish evil. But guess what this loving God does? It's a Trinitarian work. God the Son says, I will go and die in their place for their sin. So you pull that wrath on me. It's unbelievable. To 
to think that if the scripture says it pleased God the Father to crush God the Son. Do you know why it pleased him? It says that in Isaiah. I'll give you two reasons with the second one being more important. Because we never come first. The first reason is because he loved us so much that when he realized when he was crushing his son for our sins, that we would be redeemed as a people and not have to endure eternal hell because Jesus was taking our place. Because that's the only way we can be pleased with God. Secondly, he realized through this work his son was doing that his son would be given the name above all names, that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess for all eternity. Do you guys see that? Our freedom and God's glory obtained. So God the Father looks down and says, I'm going to pour out all this wrath that's stored out for the evil on the earth. But Jesus, I'm going to pour it on you for your sinless and you can take it and you will pardon their sins and he pours it out on God the Son so that whoever believes in this work will be saved and pardoned for his sin. That's the work of the cross. That's why we're somber. Because other people didn't put Jesus there. When you're watching the Passion, just it's an artistic showing, right? It's an artistic showing what's going on. You can't get mad at other people. I want to get so mad when they slap, right? I told you guys that guy comes up in an artistic way and shows that someone actually just slapped Jesus. I want to get upset. Like, who's this guy? What is he doing? But then you say, how can I be mad at anyone else when my sins put Jesus to the cross too? And our sins did that. It creates a somber, contrite, and humble mood that Jesus had to pay the price for our sin. You see the correlation between his pain and our benefit through this whole text, right? What does it say? It says, he was pierced not for their transgressions, our transgression. Do you feel that tonight? When you see Jesus pierced and you think about Jesus pierced in your eyes of faith, do you say that was for our transgressions? He was crushed. What a word to use. He was crushed for our iniquities. Do you know what iniquity is? So a transgression is breaking God's law, but iniquity is premeditated sin. Well, you say, I know this is sin against God, and I'm going to premeditate doing it, and I'm going to fall through it. That's categorized as iniquity. It says Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. Because we all committed premeditated sin. This chastisement brought us peace. Chastisement is to punish severely. Jesus was punished severely so that you can have the peace that comes with having your sins paid for and being right with God. Every single person in here deserves help. All of us. We've all broken God's law. We've all committed iniquities. We've all committed transgressions. We all should have got chastised. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus was crushed and was chastised so that we could be brought peace instead of punishment. What an amazing Savior. Amen? Amen. What kind of exchange is that? What did we do to earn that? You're supposed to get punishment, but I give you peace. You're supposed to get hell, but I give you heaven. 
that for each one of us. And I remember reading this as a kid, and I always loved this part of this verse. By his wounds we are healed. And so this could have many meanings, but it also has the meaning that we're healed from our sin. We're healed from our division with God. We're healed from anything that will get in between our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's healed. How many of us needed that peace that only came through Jesus and He came through and gave it to us? How many of us were so tormented until we realized the power of the gospel and that's like medication every day we take and say, you know what? I'm not going to live in anxiety. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to be tormented because by faith the gospel has brought me peace. There's a peace that only comes through the work of Jesus and through your faith in It's called the great exchange. We all heard that term, right? Like when you make a deal, you try to make a fair deal, right? You try to make deals that seem like, okay, I'm giving you this, you're giving me this, that works out. But listen to this exchange of the gospel. All of our sin, all of our transgressions, all of our iniquities are put on Jesus on the cross and all of his perfection, all of his innocence, all of his righteousness is imputed to us by faith. That's the gospel. That's why it's a good Friday. If Jesus didn't die for our sins, every Friday would be horrible. I see you guys on social media. TGIF! Every Friday would be horrible if we had no Savior to take our place. But we celebrate this day in remembrance of a good Friday because of what Jesus has done for us. So those who believe today, would you meditate once again and go to a deeper level of realizing the suffering that Jesus endured on our behalf? And those of you who are living in torment, moments of peace and torment because you have not put your faith in Jesus, you have not repented, you have not followed Jesus, Today, would you repent, put your faith in Jesus, follow Jesus, and receive that great exchange that comes by faith, that is a free gift by God, from God? That will cause a weight to be lifted off your shoulders, a weight that only Jesus can carry. And only He can carry. So Restoration Road, we talk about Palm Sunday, Victorious King, we realized that people's affections changed really quickly from a Sunday to the Friday. Then one day they're yelling out, he's the King of Kings. And the next Friday, they're yelling out, crucify him. But this Sunday, we're going to be cheering for his resurrection. Amen? Amen. That he defeats. Satan, sin, and death. So today we meditate on this. We have our souls renewed. And Sunday we rejoice in the resurrection. Let's pray.